0: This is Susan, and you're listening to The Darker Side of Things. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the darker side of things. Again, I'm Susan. Just a little update on my brother. Uh, his surgery went well, and um, his leg is uh, much better. So they just have to wait and do the other one. So um, thank you, uh, everybody, for any wishes or or prayers that you sent. Um, they were greatly appreciated. So tonight, um, as you know, I'll be by myself. And what we're going to discuss tonight is death, superstitions, and customs. So I'll just get right into it because I don't have uh, anything further other than, you know, just the update on my brother. And I'm so glad that everything went well. I know his uh, wife was a nervous wreck, and um, but everything is good and well in the world. And that's all that we can hope for. So let's begin. As the superstition goes, when a person hears three knocks, it means someone has died. In the paranormal world, when three knocks at a door are heard and no one is there, someone had died or is about to. Normally, these knocks are heard prior to someone's death. They are seen as an omen or a harbinger. In other words, you have what's referred to as the three knocks of doom. That sounds pretty ominous. The Scots and Irish have traditions that when you hear three knocks on a door or three taps on a window, heard at regular intervals lasting for about two minutes, this means death. For the Native Americans, they believe that when the thumping of a stick on the ground three times is heard, this also means someone will die. So I'm starting to sense a trend here. These superstitions are also heard in Arab and Jewish traditions. Yet in Africa, the Yoruba religion, and I apologize if I pronounced that incorrectly, of Orisha, has a folk tale that contains three brothers that are destined to become Oriates or high priests in their religion, but must complete certain tasks first. The two older brothers who are impatient do not follow these guidelines and become jealous of the youngest brother who does. As a result, he becomes an orate before they do. They become so enraged at him that they kill him over it. Later, they hear three knocks on the door. They answer the door and in walks their younger brother. Wow. I would have uh, passed out had that happened, um, especially since, you know, if they killed him, then yeah. One brother dies of a heart attack immediately and the other brother is put to death by the village because they know that he helped to kill his younger brother. In America, there are tales of the same regarding three knocks. These tales are passed down as family lore. That involves grandparents who heard three knocks at the door and received word that a relative had died, claiming it happened at the exact time the knocks occurred. These knocks aren't your typical knock at the door. They are loud, and when heard, strike a sense of fear or creepiness. Again, I would pee my pants because I'm a chicken. Uh, These knocks are normally heard on doors or windows, but there are stories where these can be heard coming from walls or from inside the walls or from every corner of the room. And that is pretty creepy. And I can assure you, I would pee my pants if I heard that. It's said that when people go uh, to look for the source, none can be found. They most often occur in the winter. And when the door is opened to see who's there, no footprints in the snow can be found or anywhere around There's also the side of the superstition where some believe the three knocks mean the devil or an evil spirit wants to come in. In either case, I would be scared out of my mind, (laughs) literally. Um, The Bell Witch haunting in Adams, Tennessee would be a good example of this. From the very beginning, the family experienced strange knocks and taps in their home. They were always in sets of three. In the end, John Bell, the family's dad, dies under mysterious circumstances. And that's um, also a tale that I'm going to be telling later is The Bell Witch, um, which is uh, pretty interesting because I've uh, read about it and heard about it, and uh, it's kind of creepy. Anyway, back to our tale for today. Superstitions exist for a reason. Those reasons are rooted in real-life experiences. To hear three knocks was meant to prepare you for the news of death. One variant is the receiving of bad news, often of death, will be received either in three days, three weeks, or three months. The knocking heard prior is the variable and is then connected when the death occurs. So we're going to move on to um, Victorian death customs and superstitions. During the 19th century, early 20th century, both American and Europeans' death customs were sometimes odd in nature. One custom that's considered to be creepy by today's standards was the post-mortem photo, also known as the memorial portraiture. What that means is shortly after death, a photograph was taken of the deceased This practice was common for middle class. It was a way for the families to remember their loved ones. Personally, but this could be because I live now rather than then, I find this so distasteful. I would want to remember my loved ones as they were, not how they were when they died. I mean, think about it. Some folks die under not-so-nice circumstances. Some don't look well at at death at all. They would just remind me of how miserable they were in the end. Not a nice picture. With the invention of daguerreotype, and I apologize if I uh, pronounced that wrong. I pronounced it as it is um, in the pronunciation dictionary. The daguerreotype in 1839. These photos became more affordable compared to the more expensive painted portraits which the wealthy uh usually used the portraits would take much longer to create depending on how well the artist was would determine how long it would take to do the portrait if the artist was slower you'd have to deal with the decay then you'd have to deal with the smell no disrespect to the dead but i would not want that in my house i'm so sorry to tell you More often than not, these photos were of infants and children. Yeah, that's just creepy. Because photos weren't commonplace back then, these death portraits would be the only pictures families would have of their loved ones and believed they helped with the grieving process. Wouldn't help me at all. Like I said earlier, I wanted, especially with a child, I would want to remember the child as it was in life, not in death. Another common practice was what's called wakes or waking. This means someone was supposed to keep watch over the deceased until they were buried. Most wakes lasted three to four days in order to provide adequate time for out-of-town family to travel to the funeral. Wakes or visitation are still very common today. Visitation uh, is usually held one or two nights prior to the funeral, where everyone comes to the funeral home to view the loved ones, and usually lasts a couple of hours. Wakes are held after, where everyone brings a covered dish, or uh, it's catered to the home, depending upon, you know, what you want to do with that, to the home of the loved one, and everyone celebrates the life of the deceased, Depending on who would need to travel in from out of town usually determines what day the visitation slash funeral would be held on. Standard time in the funeral home for preparation is anywhere from three to five days. Then the visitation slash funeral is held. At least that's my understanding of it all. Some cases are quicker, some are longer, just depends upon the situation. Wakes originated from a practice that was considered safeguard. Time was allotted to determine whether the deceased was really dead and not in a coma. Makes sense if you ask me. The fear of being buried alive was closely related to the wakes. Unfortunately, it wasn't unheard of for people to be buried alive back then. They didn't have the tools or knowledge they do today. So, believing someone was dead when they are actually or were actually in a coma did happen. Sad, but true. To combat this, coffins were made with a safeguard. A bell was installed at the gravesite with a chain attached and placed inside the coffin. If the person wasn't actually dead, they could ring the bell and be heard. The expression saved by the bell derived from this practice. Creepy, right? Yeah. Grave robbery was also common in the era, mostly due to the medical profession needed corpses to use for their study and dissecting. Young doctors were often the culprits. Apparently back then, there was a very real threat that when you died, your corpse was up for grabs, for lack of a better phrase. The public took to bricking over graves in order to protect their loved ones. Other customs that were often practiced during the Victorian age were curtains being drawn and clocks stopped at the moment the person died. Mirrors were also covered in crepe or veiling so the deceased couldn't become trapped in the looking glass. There was also the custom of a wreath of laurel, boxwood, or yew with black ribbons hung on the door so passers by would know. Uh, that someone uh, who lived there had died to ensure proper respect was shown. Candles and flowers were used to mask odors due to the corpses were usually kept in the home until the, you know, the funeral or the burial. And this was, of course, before embalming became common. Also during this era, the dead were carried out of the home feet first to prevent the deceased from looking back which might entice someone else in the family to follow them into death. Family photos were placed face down to prevent family members or close relatives of being possessed by the deceased spirit. Wow, these are some pretty intense uh, customs and, and superstitions, if you ask me. Lavish meals were often served after, also known as the wake nowadays. The color black was worn as a sign that someone was in mourning. However, the color white was used for the funeral of a child, which included white gloves, white ostrich plumes, exactly what you think they are ostrich feathers I did not know that, and white coffins. For me, I think this would be meant to show innocence in cemeteries. The majority of the graves has the deceased laid out with their heads to the west and their feet to the east. This custom can be linked all the way back to pagan sun worshipers, but is more commonly associated with the Christian belief that judgment will come from the east. As a Christian, this is the first time that I had ever heard of that custom. Also during this era, Americans and Europeans believed that meeting a procession head-on was bad luck it was recommended they turn around if they saw one approaching. If they couldn't, they were supposed to hold on to a button until the funeral cortege passed. A clap of thunder meant the deceased reached heaven, or if it rained on the funeral procession, the deceased would go to heaven. To smell roses meant someone was going to die. Now that I find a little... Weird, because roses, as everybody know knows, is uh, probably the the most popular of the flowers, and they smell quite good. So that makes you think that you know when your husband or your boyfriend or um, whomever sends you a bouquet of roses, now um, you're going to be like, um, I don't know if I really want these because according to some superstitions. Um, To smell these, somebody's going to die. So, you know, you can take them back. (laughs) If you saw yourself in a dream, your death was sure to follow. If a sparrow landed on a piano, someone in in the home was going to die. If a picture fell off the wall, someone close to that person would die. You shouldn't wear anything new to a funeral either, especially shoes. No explanation as to why, though. I did do um, a search on this and found nothing that explained it. With that, um, just these few things here, I am just baffled and uh, curious as to what you were allowed to do for a funeral way back when. Some of these make sense, but some of them don't. Not all funny subject, but you gotta laugh. The hoot of an owl And a single snowdrop in a garden foretells death. If a bird crashes into a person's window or pecks at the window, that indicated a death. Large drops of rain meant there was a death. See, these are just, I mean, these are things that happen all the time. So how can you avoid it? Goodness, to spill salt meant you had to throw a pinch uh, over your shoulder to prevent death. If it rains into an open grave, it meant another family member was going to die. And lastly, you should never speak ill of the dead because they will uh, come back to haunt you or haunt the person uh, or try to bring them bad luck. Now we are coming to ships myths. The technologies of today leave little room for error when it comes to sailing the high seas. But that wasn't always the case. For centuries, the loss of ships and lives was common due to all the risks that were involved, obviously, with maritime travel. So for sailors to have superstitious practices was an understatement, and they held to those beliefs strongly. So much so that if they held to those beliefs faithfully, it would greatly increase their chances of a successful trip. Most of those superstitions have been set aside today, but some are still practiced, mostly out of tradition rather than belief, and here is just a few. Whistling at sea was a no-no because it was believed that to whistle would stir the winds, causing a storm. Some of these are just funny. Sailors didn't throw stones into the sea either, To do so was considered to be disrespectful and believed the action would cause a storm. Cats were a welcome addition to sea travel way back when. It was believed they could predict the weather. Hmm, a cat that can predict the weather. Wow. To approach the men meant good luck. To approach then retreat away meant bad luck. How that was a prediction of the weather um, has left me scratching my head. I I have no idea. If a cat was seen licking their fur against the grain, it meant a hailstorm was imminent. If a cat sneezed, rain was on its way. And if the cat was frisky, the wind was going to pick up. It was also believed that cats could incite storms with magic from their tails And contrary to the belief that black cats were bad news, they were actually considered to be good luck on a ship. You weren't supposed to clap your hands on board as that would bring thunder. Umbrellas weren't allowed on board either because that was just tempting fate. Many superstitious practices were followed in order to avoid bad luck. Crew members with red hair were considered bad luck. Oh, well, I guess I won't be doing any traveling on a ship because I have red hair. There was, however, a way to avoid this. Another crew member had to speak to the redhead first before the redhead spoke. So silly. Also, redheads were forbidden to whistle because that would be a double whammy. No green sweaters at sea. Captains didn't allow them because they were thought to bring bad luck. So anybody who's got a green sweater, don't go riding on a ship. Black was also a no-no, and get this. Priests were considered bad luck because they wore black robes. Wow. Even women on board a ship was considered bad luck. They were considered to be a distraction to the crew and would keep them from performing their duties, dooming the ship. That's funny too. On the other side of that, naked women were believed <clears throat> pardon me, naked women were believed to calm the sea, keeping the storms at bay. So you if you were a woman and on a ship, I guess you had to be naked the whole time. But this would explain why the mastheads on a ship were naked women. Birds could be either good or bad omens. Swallows were good luck, while hurlews and cormorants were both bad. To kill a gull or albatross was considered very bad because it was believed these two particular birds held the souls of dead sailors. This belief was also connected to dolphins. And finally, if dolphins were seen swimming at the front of the ship, this was good luck. If sharks were seen following the ship, that was bad luck. It doesn't take uh, somebody to, you know, knock something on my head for me to see a shark and think, oh my gosh, uh, we're all going to die. Because, yeah, I would think that that one's standard. Sharks were considered uh, to be harbingers of death. If you really look at that, I would say that that's true. Because you see a shark, first thing you think of is, is death. Because... They're known to, you know, kill people and so on and so forth. It's not common, but sharks are the ultimate predator. So uh, there you have it, folks. Superstitions galore. (laughs) Some of these I knew, some I didn't, but all were interesting. Funny how times change. I guess you had to follow your instincts for the time. Some of these were quite strange and some made sense. So what are your thoughts? let us know. We'd love to hear. You can also send us your stories to tell. Those are the best. And you can send them to our Facebook page at the Darker Side of Things podcast. Um, We now have a Twitter and that is at SusanRod6965 and also on Instagram, the Darker Side of Things pod. You can also uh, email us at the darker side of things, the number one at gmail.com. We thank you for listening. Stay safe and stay away from the rabbit holes. They are dark and they are deep. Bye.